morning. Uh, if you are joining us this week for the first time, uh, we are in the middle of a vision series. We're taking a break from our series through um, 1 Corinthians, where we typically would teach through a book of the Bible. Um, this month of September, we're going through, uh, every year we do a vision series, and, and we're casting a vision for the Crossing Church. So we're in the middle of that right now. Um, and my my job this morning is to communicate to you the mission of God, and I'm really excited about it. Um, so we're not going to be in a, like one specific passage today. There are going to be several that we look at. Uh, they'll be on the screen. You can write them down. Um, you can turn there as we get there, but I just want you to know like, we're not going to be jumping into one passage. Um, if I were to ask you to sing Amazing Grace, just to, just to stand up and sing Amazing Grace. I'm not going to call anyone out and do that, but if I were to ask you to, and you, you got up and you, and you would sing it, you know the words, you would sing the song. But if I were to ask you first to think about your sin, think about all that the Lord has done for you, think about everything that he has saved you from, your lust, your idolatry, And then I ask you to sing Amazing Grace. What would come from your mouth would not just be words, but would be passion, would be praise. That the Lord has done this in your life, and and you are singing. And, And the difference in what you're singing is not the words, but you understand why. You understand why you're singing the words that you're singing. We have to understand why. God has a mission in order for us to fully engage in that mission. As a church, we understand mission. The Crossing Church is a church of missional communities. We gather together. um, We believe that God has designed us to be on mission, and we believe that he's designed that mission to be done in a community. And so we, we meet together throughout the week, and and we love each other, we, we, we share the gospel with each other, but we are, we are actively on mission together, reaching the loss of the city. So we're a church made up of missional communities. Um, we, we know that the Lord has commanded us to be on mission. In Matthew 28, he says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. We get that. We believe that, right? We, we know that this is what the Lord has commanded us. And we speak every single week about reaching the lost in the city and in the world. In the city of Monroe, uh, we, we, we talk about going out in our missional communities and reaching those who are lost and far from Jesus. And so we strive to do those things. But why? Why do we do it? We have to understand why God has a mission before we can see how we are to engage in that mission. So in order for us to see this, we have to see that the ultimate goal of God is not missions. It's not missions, but it's worship. 
The ultimate goal of God is worship of himself and his glory. So for us to engage in the mission of God, we have to see that the only thing worth worshiping is God. We must value his glory and his name above everything. But why? It's because that's what God values above everything else. God values his glory and his name above everything. So before we even look at what glory, like the glory of God, we need to understand what glory is. We understand glory when we talk about a Super Bowl and the team that wins gets glory. They get, they get the praise for the win. And for the, for the whole year, or at least that offseason, they're going to get praise. Look at what they did. Look at how great this quarterback is and his ability. But the glory of God, when we talk about God's glory, we're not just talking about something as small as a Super Bowl win. When we talk about the glory of God, we mean everything worthy of praise, everything worth praising, everything about who God is, his love, his wrath, his grace, his mercy, every attribute that, that we use to describe God flows out of his glory, everything. He is better and more beautiful than anything that this world is capable of being. And so we see in, in, in the scriptures that God is passionate, to take the words from, from John Piper, he's passionate for his glory. Psalm 19.1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaim his handiwork. Creation exists to bring him glory. We are created for his glory. Isaiah 43, 6 and 7 says, Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the end of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. God rescued Egypt, or God rescued Israel from Egypt for his glory. In Psalm 106, the psalmist writes, Our fathers, when they were in Egypt, did not consider your wondrous works. They did not remember the abundance of your steadfast love, but reveled by the, by the sea at the Red Sea. Yet he saved them. For his name's sake, that he might make known his mighty power. Romans 9 shows us that God created and raised up Pharaoh for his glory. For the scriptures say to Pharaoh, For this very purpose I have raised you up, that I might show my power in you, and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. Exodus 14 shows us that God destroyed Pharaoh for his glory, so that the world might see his wrath. God spares Israel in the wilderness when he should have destroyed them for their idolatry, for his glory. He gives them the promised land and, and delivers them from their enemies for his glory. And when Israel was disobedient and was exiled to Babylon, he restored Israel for his glory. All, of, all the things that the Lord has done from Old Testament to New exist for his glory. And we see that most clearly in a passage, Isaiah 48, 9 through 11. It says, For my name's sake, I defer my anger. For the sake of my praise, I restrain it for you, that I may not cut you off. Behold, I have refined you, but not as silver. 
I have tried you in the furnace of affliction for my own sake. For my own sake I do it. For how should my name be profaned? My glory I will not give to another. The Lord is serious about his glory. He's serious about being worshipped. He's deeply concerned with this. And he's jealous for his glory. And he will not share it with anyone. So the question that comes from this is uh, the, the question that Oprah Winfrey struggled with. And, and, and it ultimately led her uh, away from the Lord. But the question is, how, how is this loving? How is this, this not selfishness? How can we have a God who is so concerned with himself? Simply, it's that he is God and we're not. Everything that exists is held together by him. If you see a painting, it does not receive more praise than the artist. And the creation will not receive more glory than the creator. God is the only one worthy of worship. There is nothing on earth that can compare to him. And we exist to bring glory to whatever is is most glorious in this world, and that is God. John Piper, in his book, Let the Nations Be Glad, says this, The reason we are not to exalt our own glory, but God's, is because he is God and we are not. For God to be faithful to this same principle means that he too would exalt not our glory, but his. The unifying principle is not, do not exalt your own glory. The unifying principle is exalt the glory of whatever is infinitely glorious. For us, that means exalt God. And for God, that means exalt God. For us, it means don't seek your own glory. For God, it means do seek your own glory. When Jesus was asked, what, what is the greatest commandment? He says, the first and greatest commandment is this. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Anything else other than that is idolatry. If the Lord exalted anything else above himself, if he cared more about praising anything other than himself, he would be an idolater. He would be guilty of sin. And may that never be said. The Lord is not guilty of sin. So the issue is not how can God be so concerned with receiving praise and glory. The issue is how can we not give this God the glory that he deserves and demands? Romans chapter 1 tells us that all of us, every single one of us, has tried to rob glory from God. We've traded the glory of the immortal God for creation. We like our stuff more than we like God. And each and every one of us is under judgment for dishonoring the glory of God. Each and every one of us deserve hell. And, and, and to experience the fullness of God's wrath because we have dishonored his glory. He takes it that seriously. In the garden, we were perfect. But because of the fall, we are broken. And Romans 5 tells us that because of this, we are enemies with God. We just gotta think about that. We are enemies. We, like, he hates, he hates our sin. We're enemies of God. 
But in Genesis 3, which we saw last week, God promised a way to restore everything. But God, being a just God, must punish sin. He will not share his glory with anyone, and so the punishment for sin is death. We have committed treason against God by stealing glory from him. We, we deserve death. So God provides a way. And in John 7, we see that Jesus comes and lives a perfect life seeking the glory of God. And in John 12 and John 17, we see that he endures the cross for the punishment of our sin as a substitute for us, for the glory of God. Not because you're awesome, not because I'm awesome, not because God needs us, but because it brings him pleasure, it brings him joy. Isaiah 43 and Psalm 25 show us that it brings God glory to save the lost and forgive our sins. It brings him glory to restore relationship with his enemies. The cross and the resurrection were beyond anything that we could ask or imagine. And because of this, we can praise him and we can give him glory. And if we will not give him glory, like Pharaoh in Exodus 4, 14, God will receive glory by pouring out his wrath on us. So repent. If you're hearing this message, if you're hearing these words, if you see the glory of God and you have not repented, repent. Believe in this God. Because if he has caused dry bones to live, if he has brought life to your lifeless soul, we can join him in the mission of restoring all things to himself. We can join him in the mission of God God wants to restore the world, and he will restore the world. He doesn't need us to do any of this, but he wants us to come along with him. He's, he's a good father. He's a loving father. I want my daughter to imitate me. I want her to, to join me. This morning, she wanted to set out chairs with me. I want that. God wants us to work with him, and it's so much easier. He could do it by himself. I could set out chairs by myself. But it brings me joy to have my daughter come along with me. It brings God joy for us to come along with him, broken as we are, to use us to, to restore the world. He's a loving, gracious, good father who knows that the only way for us to completely be satisfied is through him. It brings him joy, so much joy, and it brings us joy. John Piper is, is famous for making uh, this phrase known that God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. So God gets glory from us when we're satisfied in him. And, and taking that even further, he goes on and says, and we are most satisfied. We find complete joy when we are satisfied in God. And our flesh wants to look everywhere else but that. We seek for joy in so many things outside of the Father. But we will never be fully satisfied until we find our satisfaction in Him. This is incredible. The way God has designed us 
was for worship. When we're saved, he restores us to a right relationship with him so that we can worship him. He no longer sees our sin, but he sees Christ's perfection. And then he invites us to be a part of restoring all people and all nations to him. He will get most, the most glory this way. He will get the most glory by using broken people to proclaim his name and bring a lost and dying world into a right relationship with him. And we do all of this through prayer. The mission of God is not accomplished apart from prayer. Now, evangelism and sharing the gospel, discipleship is all a part of that. But none of that is successful. None of that glorifies God unless we pray. We see so little fruit in our mission because we don't value the glory of God. And we don't value the glory of God because we don't pray. Prayer is the mode that God, it's the method that he has provided for us to join, a, join him on mission. Before we can do anything, before we can evangelize, before we can disciple, before we can stand here and proclaim truth, it has to be laid down in a foundation of prayer. God created prayer and has given it to us to use on mission. Prayer aligns our heart to the will of God. Prayer aligns our heart to the will of God. It grows our faith. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us. It's a pastor in Louisville, Kentucky, that, that used this passage to describe how our prayer life grows our faith. What happens when we pray and ask God for things uh, beyond what we can imagine? And he gives it to us. What happens when we pray and God gives us more than we can ask or imagine? It grows our faith. We see that he's able to do this. And so the next time we pray, we, we ask more boldly for things. We ask more boldly for the Lord to save my lost family member. We ask more boldly for him to reach my neighbors and my coworkers. And then, and then he answers that prayer and he does it again and he shows us that he can do more than we can ask or imagine. And it continues to grow our faith. You see how that works? Prayer is meant to grow our faith. Prayer is meant to align our hearts to the will of God. Crossing Church, we must be a church of prayer. It's not enough to just come here on Sunday mornings and to read a Puritan prayer before communion. Or, or to have a prayer, like, we pray a lot in the service, but that's not enough. If, if this is the only time that you're spending any significant time in prayer, how can your heart be aligned to the will of God? And it's not just meant to be done individually or privately. Yes, that is important. Jesus, the example Jesus gives us is going away, being alone and praying. That is important, but we must do it together. It shouldn't be strange for us to come up to each other and just pray with each other. It should be happening weekly in our missional communities. It should be happening every time we meet with DNA. 
It should be happening so often that it's just a, a way of life, a rhythm of life. We pray. We hear all the time the struggles that we, that we, sh- that we have. We want to share in those, and the way that we share in, in bearing each other's burdens are through prayer. We pray for each other. We weep with each other in prayer. We don't just, hey, I'm going to pray for you, and then go off and do our thing. Prayer is vital to the life of this church, and if we want to see fruit, if we want to see this city saved, if we want to see God moving and, and bringing lost people to join us, we will pray. We will see the seriousness of prayer. We will see how important it is for our hearts to be aligned with the will of God, and that will motivate our prayers. We pray for opportunities. We pray for faith. We pray for boldness in sharing the gospel. When those opportunities do come, we pray for all these things. We pray, we pray for each other as we struggle and, and we suffer and we pray for each other and, and praise God in, in the ways that we uh, rejoice in the blessings that he gives us. Prayer, prayer is a way of life. It should be a way of life for us. And because prayer aligns our hearts to the will of God, and because prayer grows our faith, it will lead into mission. It will. We will see how glorious God is. We will see his desires for the people around us, and we will, we will go. Our prayers will lead us into evangelism. They will lead us into discipleship. And so we can obey Matthew 28 when it says to go, therefore, into the world and make disciples of all nations. We, we will evangelize. We will share the gospel with one another. Evangelism is just one beggar telling another beggar where to get bread. And at the end of the day, God gets glory for all of it. God uses us as the instruments to bring his glory to the world. And one day, Christ will return. And we will see the fullness of his glory. We will, we will know everything there is to know about the second coming when he comes again. And we will experience the glory of God in a way that we have never experienced here. And we will cry out with every people group and every language every race and culture, these words. Great and amazing are your deeds, O Lord God the Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the nations. Who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship you. For your righteous acts have been revealed. Let's pray. Father, I'm amazed at your glory. I'm amazed at how good you are to us. Father, I pray that we won't leave here unchanged. God, that 
we will see your glory, that we will worship you, that as we, even as we sing these songs we're about to sing, God, I pray that our hearts will be exploding because of your glory. God, I pray that you'll lead us to pray. I pray that through our prayers, God, we will see your glory and that our faith will grow and that this city This world will be changed. Father, don't don't leave us stagnant. Push us further and further into your grace and your love. We love you. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.